live from the ESPN 690 and Living Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Hey, welcome into 121 Financial Ballpark. We call it the baseball grounds. We call it Reagan Field, home of the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Tonight it's home for a little college baseball and a good one at that. Four to four to state baseball playing uh, right here in Jacksonville. And uh, always a big event. Already tailgating outside. I saw a Gator tent. I saw a Knowles tent out there. So ready to go. Love their baseball around both these programs. Two terrific programs this season. Uh, ranked in the top 15 and uh, have a lot of uh, at times this year, especially even in the top 10, I believe. And uh, should be a good one here today. Now, Florida has owned the Knowles as of late when it comes to Jacksonville and really this series. So we'll see what shakes out here today. Maybe we get even a little local flavor. We should get that in the lineup for the Gators. But even Jackson Bowmeister, who... Uh, it was terrific last year for Bowles. He's a freshman at FSU. Could be see some action in, in a midweek game uh, for the Florida State Seminoles. So we're here until 6 o'clock. Brent Martin, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz. Austin uh, just uh, making his way in the stadium, so he'll join us in just a moment. And, uh, by the way, we'll have the game for you. As you heard Casey say, 645 tonight, coverage begins. You can listen to Florida State baseball. Today on ESPN 690, your home for Florida State basketball and football, as well as right here on ESPN 690. Mike Martin, Jr., the coach of the Seminoles, will join us in the 4 o'clock hour. Shock your mock is happening again. We got it underway. Now, who will Austin pick today, and how will he roast your mock draft? Uh, We will find out likely in the 4 o'clock hour as well. Big news out of the NFL. You just heard it in the update, but uh, we said it was the big thing that was going to happen at the owners' meetings in terms of adjusting potentially how we watch a game, how the game is played, and that is in overtime. And they kind of went half here. I was surprised they actually changed the rule, to be honest with you. I'm really surprised they changed the rule in any degree. I'm not a huge fan of them changing the rule. I don't have a – it's not a big soapbox play for me, but – I don't think they needed to do it. Austin shared with you yesterday that, hey, doesn't defense matter anymore? And, well, why change if uh, only one thing is going to matter? But they they did it halvesies here. The regular season will remain the same. The postseason will change to each team gets a possession of the football. And then sudden death will occur. Austin Lane, what's happening, man? What up, man? How are we doing? Hey, at the beach today, man. It's hot. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's a little toasty. Yeah, absolutely. And we're on the uh, Tiki Hut. I see that here. Unfortunately, unfortunately, the drinks aren't falling right now like I wanted them to be, but it's all good. Yeah, so... uh, In due time. They do change the rule uh, in the postseason. I I don't think you're a big fan of it, but is it even worse that they didn't go all or nothing? Yeah, I mean, I think so. To try to leverage it halfway... You know, I mean, I, I get it. It's it's more exciting that way, and that's what the NFL is all about is, um, you know, those exciting moments. So, I mean, I get why they did it from a, from a money standpoint, but you know how I feel about it being the defensive side of the ball. I just think that eventually we should start rewarding defenses again and start talking defense. It feels like a very reactionary move by the NFL, although over time I think there have been 12 overtime games, mm-hmm. and the team that got the ball first has won 10 of the occasions. Yeah. So the data suggests that it's skewed in one way. I'm not sure it's as simple as that, but most recently we've seen a couple of games, and what comes to mind is the Patriots beating the Chiefs in overtime, and you kind of felt like, hey, 
whoever gets the ball first is going to win the game. Well, this one felt the same way. Remember, the Buffalo-Kansas City game was remarkable. Josh Allen was unbelievable. The Bills, the fireworks. But you kind of knew that even with the Bills' defense, as good as it is, it wasn't that day. Yeah, and it should have been. And if the Chiefs had had got the ball, they were probably going to go down and score, and that's yeah. what happened. So I think those two instances are the ones that skewed this more than anything else. But I also think you could make the case those were just two oddball games where whoever got the football was going to score. No, I mean, yeah, it, it comes down to who wins the coin toss, and I understand that, um, and that's fine. But once again, I mean, there's three phases of football. There's offense, defense, and special teams. It just seems like all these rules um, and, and just all these new features are catered towards the offense. Like, I, if, like you said, if Buffalo plays defense, we're not even talking about it anymore. I mean, they were a respectful defense the entire season. You play the Kansas City Chiefs, and I get it. They're very talented. They couldn't stop anybody. And that's how some of these exciting overtime games went this year where it was like the first team that gets the ball is going to score and run. That's fine. But the object of the game of football is to score touchdowns and to stop your opponent from scoring. That's a big part of stopping your opponent from scoring. So that has to be addressed as well. I will tell you, I know one person who does like this, at least for the postseason. I'm not sure if he likes it because the regular season didn't change. We heard from Doug Peterson yesterday. Sure. And Doug Peterson said, I think both teams possess the ball. That's an offensive no. guy. I was going to say, is, is, is Doug Peterson an offensive coach or a defensive coach? Go, go, go and ask Joe, Joe Collin how he feels about that one and bring it back to me. You know yeah. Uh, and again, I think worth noting here is it's just postseason. When you try some of the new things, I don't know if I like trying it in postseason only. Well, I, mean, I, I think you can make the case try things like new new rules and new things in preseason, which I have done in the past. But if it's not going to be played, if it's going to be played two different ways, one way in the regular season, one way in the postseason, I don't know if I like that part of it. Just play it the same way then. Well, I don't like it either because then that's saying, all right, if you're going to have to make the postseason, it means your offense is great but your defense sucks. Like, if we're talking postseason teams, we're talking about the best of the best, or at least we're supposed to be. So if that's the case, then I would hope that some of these postseason teams at least have a decent defense that can stop an offense in an overtime period. Yeah, we'll see what happens and, and how it affects it. Now, listen, we could go some the next five years without even experiencing it. We've yeah. had so many really good games, and this has come to the, the table. And I don't know if it was the perfect scenario. I do like the fact that it's not going to be the Tennessee scenario in that proposal of, you know, a two-point conversion on top of the touchdown. Uh, but we might not. We might go a long way and not even see it. And I don't think we're going to be that impacted in the regular season. The eyeballs are on it. The seasons are on the line in the postseason. And the bottom line is there are a lot of people taken back by what happened with the Bills. They thought they should have had another chance to go score. Uh, we are not two of those people. I mean, you have the opportunity to stop them, not just then, but that was the game that Kansas City scored in like the final 17 seconds or something. Yeah. They had multiple opportunities to stop the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm -hmm. And worth noting that when the Chiefs didn't stop the Patriots in that one year, the Chiefs' defense was just average. I just think the fascinating part of this one, the one that ultimately got it over the top to change, is the Bills had like the number one right defense in the league half the year or most of the year. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> they still couldn't stop uh, Kansas City at the uh, end, end of the day. Anything else catching our attention at the owners' meetings? One thing that did happen yesterday as I was making my way back and, and we didn't get into it, the diversity part of, of growing the game in the NFL. And obviously we talked about this in the, in the coaching cycle. Uh, are there enough minority coaches getting a chance? Are there enough minority coaches getting jobs? And um, it looked like we might go 
the whole cycle without getting any. Lovey Smith obviously got hired by Houston. Mike McDaniel yeah. uh, by Miami Dolphins, um, who who had who was a minority, um, and so I think that almost salvaged the cycle a little bit. That that we had a couple because we had a lot more interviews yeah. in, in the with minorities. Uh, but are you getting minorities hired in the NFL in a sport that's 70% uh, black players? Are you getting enough African-American head coaches in a sport that's 70% black players? And one thing the NFL did is they said, hey, every team will have to have an assistant coach that's either minority or woman. Mm-hmm. Do you like that? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, that's that, that's helping the, the cause. But once again, like, uh, I just want the best candidates hired. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't really care about skin color. I, I feel like there's a lot of great coordinators out there that, that are black that haven't got an opportunity yet. Right? I, think, I feel like there, there are a lot of coaches out there um, that maybe get, you know, selected a little more over, you know, the, the minority coach just because of who they know um, and the circles that, that they travel with. So... I just want to see the, the the best guys taken, and I think we're getting closer and closer to that. But there's still a lot of progress that has to be made when we talk about that, if it's fair, you know. I just don't think it's necessarily that fair. Yeah, I think um, I agree with you. By the way, uh, this one thing I don't understand about this conversation so much, and it's the NFL owners' fault, I I guess. Uh, well, it is. They're they're the ones doing the hiring, but this is such a cutthroat business. Like you said, get the best person. Yeah. And and I can't get based on the numbers. I can't always imagine the best person was a Caucasian head coach. Exactly. You know, over time, right? Mm-hmm. And that's changed. And uh, you know, but slowly, it's really changed. I do think the one thing that helped this cycle that will continue to help as we go forward in this regard, a lot more interviews. And also offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators. If you look at those positions around the NFL, they are much more diverse than they have been, and that is usually the stepping stone job to getting then a next head coach. You can have a minority offensive line coach, but that coach isn't going from offensive line coach to a head coach in the NFL. Oh, no, he has to be elevated, you know, obviously in a coordinator role, and then eventually hopefully you become the head coach um, from that. You know, it happened with McDaniel. It happened with Robert Sala. Um, it happened with a lot of people. So, yeah, the, uh, are there steps towards the right direction? Sure, why not? But obviously the Brian Flores thing kind of put a black eye a little bit, and that still mm-hmm. remains to see um, what's transpiring from that. Word is, is that there's other coaches that are going to come forward. Brian Flores now saying that there's other information that's going to be coming at hand, so we'll wait to see what they have to say. Um, so I kind of put a black eye on things. But, yeah, overall, you, you got a few more coaches. Is it enough? Absolutely not. But once again, I guess you can call it progress. Let's not bury the lead here on a uh, Tuesday edition of Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Casey, I welcome you in for this conversation. Tiger Woods has arrived at Augusta for a practice round. Oh, baby. We're going to get Tiger at the 2022 Masters? Uh, am I going? That's why I asked you. Your name's Casey, baby. Okay, I'm just checking. I don't know. Austin looked like he had something to It's okay, not important. Uh, yeah, it looks that way. Uh, there was a Nick Faldo said the champions that are not playing are only going uh, the day before for the dinner. If you're going and you're a champion early, then you're likely to believe to be playing. So we know he's there. If you followed the stuff that happened on social media today, people tracking his plane and whatnot. But we do know he's there, <laughs> and there's reason to believe that he will be playing. Well, it obvious, what's, we have had different levels of this Tiger Woods stuff. Yeah. Are we over the, hey, Tiger might play thing? 
Because remember, a couple years ago when he came back, it was like, hey, Tiger might play. Then all of a sudden, Tiger's in contention. Then all of a sudden, Tiger won. Like, we went through the phases sure. when people thought he would never win again. I feel like we're a little off that. I don't feel like he has to even do very well. But the bottom line is people still love watching Tiger Woods play. And I think the curiosity peaks at Augusta because he just won in 2019. And he gave us a little bit of a tease when he was playing in the father-son thing with his son, Charlie, yeah. that he looked pretty good. Like He actually played pretty well. He could hit it 300 yards, you know? So... I mean, what's the? In, are you intrigued at all if Tiger plays next week, or it doesn't matter anymore? Like, sure, come back and play when you want to play, but no, you know I mean, the time is over. No, obviously it matters if he plays because you know he's he's that much a, a, of a figure of the sport of golf. So um, I, I would much rather see him play than not play. Um, would I watch a little more if he is playing? Yeah, probably, absolutely. So um, I think it is important for the sport and the fact that he's. Seems like he's making the steps to, to try to play. I mean, I think that's a good sign for the sport of golf because you still need those polarizing figures, whether you like them, whether you know you disagree with some of the stuff that he's been through, whatever the case may be, people tune in to watch him. So I think it's great. Yeah, you just said, uh, Sir Nick Faldo just tweeted, actually, um, to your point, Casey. If he plays, it'll be off the charts in another one of the greatest moments at the Masters. And this has, see, this is a little different for Tiger in the sense of, can he win again? Will he ever win again? He already proved that he could do that. Like, I, I don't, again, I don't think Tiger has to win again. I'll be interested to see if he can play competitive golf or if he limps around the course and shoots like 80, you know? Sure. I think that's, you don't want to see that because that reminds you of the, the failing athlete, the falling athlete, the aging athlete, right? Yeah, but yeah. this has a little bit of a Ben Hogan feel to it. And if people don't know the Ben Hogan story, like severe car accident, right, and, and had already done really well, but then came back and played a lot of golf for a lot of years. After, like, I think Tiger says it's the greatest story ever. I think he's been quoted saying that before. And this has a little bit of that feel after what we saw the car look like yeah. a year ago in that California accident. The mm -hmm. fact that not only people thought he might lose his leg, I think he has said that, and now he's back walking. We saw him at the Hall of Fame induction. And then to play again, I think, would be just another Tiger uh, notch in the belt and part of the legacy in store. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it could be another ESPN 30 for 30, you know, in terms of what he had to overcome to try to get back and the car accident, you know, being um, facing against all odds and overcoming those odds and making it back. I mean, uh, I'm not even sure what the extents of the injuries were, but I know that they were not good. So, yeah, I, th I think with Tiger Woods, like, I don't, and I'll be honest, I want to see him win because I think it's great for the sport of golf, and if it's great for the sport of golf, it's great for sports in general. So I want to see him win again. But I'm going to be the last one to say, oh, if he comes out and shoots an 80 or whatever, he should retire, because I've said this before. I mean, it's the sport of golf. It's not like I'm watching a fighter go out there and, and sacrifice his body and, and his mind and just get pummeled, and all of a sudden it's like, all right, dude, you got to walk away, man, because you seriously lost a step. Yeah, but yeah. Let's talk about the sport of golf, where yeah. usually when you retire from your profession, you go golf. So if, if that's the case and Tiger Woods wants to keep on playing, then, dude, more power to you. I'm going to be the last one that tells you, all right, you shot an 80. He needs to hang it up now. Yeah, I don't think it's a lock he plays, by the way, although it's certainly trending that way based on everything. Uh, but I don't think it's a lock based on uh, the, the nature of the course at Augusta. I've told people this for a long time. We're going to be in Augusta, by the way, early next week for a couple of days. And so if Tiger plays, well, then it's a huge story, and I'm glad we're being in Augusta. But either way, we'll be there. But the one thing that TV does not do it justice, and if anybody, I'm sure there are folks listening that have been to Augusta now, the hills at Augusta, the TV does not do it justice. It's a, by golfing standards, it's a pretty good walk. Mm. And 
it's a would walk downhill, uphill, which would challenge somebody with a leg injury. Is my point. I'm not saying you got to be like in the greatest shape of all time, but if you have an injury and it's in the lower half, yeah. it could certainly over four days be a factor. And I think a little bit of that is Tiger probably trying to do that. And what does this feel like? And then project it out for a couple of days. And keep in mind, you still have practice rounds and other things like that. So you can't take a cart. You know, even no, Tiger sure. Woods, he's not taking a cart. So you got to be able to walk it and finish the race, in essence. It's funny. I had a, I, I knew a guy that used to, like, at golf events, like, um, for instance, like, at the players and Tiger used to play there. He was, like, Tiger Woods, like, personal trainer. And he used to, like, put him through just a couple of exercises and things like that to get him warmed up. And he said, like, in terms of athletes, in terms of football players that he's trained, basketball players, golfers, like, Tiger Woods is in a class by himself in terms of work ethic and making sure that he's ready to go, you know, for, for a tournament. So, yeah, you know, the, the knee could obviously be an issue just because it doesn't matter how hard you work. If your knee's not ready to play or your leg's not ready to play, it's not ready to play. But um, in terms of preparation, it's not going to be because he didn't try hard enough to get back. You know, it's going to be because his body just says, hey, it's not that time yet. But as far as the mindset and as far as the work ethic of Tiger Woods, I mean, the, the, granted, this was years and years ago, but that doesn't really leave somebody anytime soon. So I think if, 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 his, knee, if his knee and his leg allows him to play, he's definitely going to play. Yeah, keep in mind this. This is a guy, and this happens with people. You go, and in case you know this, Fred Couples, right? Jose Maria Olathabal, uh you know, even a guy like Bernard Longer at 60-whatever years old, four years old, Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, they love this course so much that they can play it in their sleep. They know every nook and cranny. It fits their eye. They love it. As long as Tiger can get a little bit of distance out there, then it's all about his feel around the greens. He probably can play okay here, and that's how I think he's coming back if he comes back at this point because I think he can have a bad day and still be okay, not embarrassing. You play TPC Sawgrass, and your game isn't on. He's the guy that said it. You can't fake it. And so that's why you're not coming back at the Players' Championship. Yeah, Tiger, yeah. if he's not on, could shoot 82 there. I don't think there's an 82 in the bag for Tiger. One leg, two legs, whatever. Uh, coming back off a big layoff at, at Augusta, I think he's just he knows the course that well and feels so good playing there. So be really interesting to watch. Big sports story, though, unfolding over the next week. If Tiger Woods, who still is that main draw, it's amazing uh, how much he still draws uh, all the attention. Um, and if he plays at Augusta, it'll definitely do that. We are live at the baseball grounds. Downtown Jacksonville today. We've got Florida, Florida State on a gorgeous Tuesday. We're a week away from the Jumbo Shrimp home opener as well. So you can listen to Florida State baseball tonight. 645 coverage begins on ESPN 690. And then starting next week, we're your home for the Jumbo Shrimp as well. So plenty of baseball coming up all spring and summer long on ESPN 690. We'll be right back. Andy Reid, Andy Reid has produced some really good offenses, and he, he'll find a way with us with Smith Schuster, Kelsey. I mean, you can keep going down the line. He'll continue to find guys. They may even go out and get another guy. Green Bay is at a completely different point for an organization. It is win now, win now, win now. Well, I would say that's the case. Parade to read in the Kansas City Chiefs. It's always going to be win now, I think, with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, a lot of rebuilding going on there. I have to reload. Who was that? Uh, vaguely. I can, I've got, like, on the tip of my tongue. Uh, I can't come up with that one. I don't know, Casey. Who, who was that? 
Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday. Has anybody ever confirmed if Jeff Saturday has a place like in Amelia Island? Because I've heard that, but I'm not really sure. Jeff Saturday, huh? Yeah. All right. I heard that, that he had a, maybe he came down for the summer or he had some family or if he had a place. And I've never been able to confirm it. Maybe a timeshare or something? Maybe. I mean, he was a center, so. <laughs> You know, how, much, how much money are you really making? Yeah, no, I mean, pretty good. Dude played forever. Yeah, he, he's making a lot of money. I think uh, another, a couple of people, right? Um, <laughs> you know, I almost said Sammy Kershaw. Clayton <laughs> Kershaw. Yeah, 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 Clayton. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who, by the way, played for the Suns. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think his wife might be from up in the Fernandina Beach area. Okay. I think that's the case. Um, or he has ties to it. Cool. I think that's another story. And I think I've... I say this probably every time I bring this up, but I'm pretty sure uh, Bobby Cox. Well, I say it every time, too. Stephen King as well. Stephen King. Yes. Um, there's somebody else, though. Give me another famous author. I mean, dude, I gave you Stephen King. What more do you want from me? No, um, no. Give me a, like, John Grisham? Maya Angelou? No, I think Grisham. John Grisham? Has some ties somewhere along the way up in northeast Florida. Tom Clancy? No, I don't think it's Clancy. Okay. I think it might be Grisham. Okay. So I, remember, I think my buddy at one time said like he had ties to maybe like had a nephew or something at Bishop Kenny. Okay. I, I believe that's the case. I think it was Grisham. Jeff Saturday used to live in Amelia Island. You're correct. Yeah. How did you find that out so quick? Google. I typed in Jeff Saturday Amelia Island, <laughs> and there's an article from 2011 in which I don't know why exactly, but uh, Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones let – Saturday, use his corporate jet to fly home to Amelia Island, Florida. <laughs> That's an odd... Why? They wrote an article about that? Do they know, yeah. <laughs> Is Amelia Island news hurting that much? Well, well probably. Yeah, maybe. I mean, what are you talking about Amelia Island? I mean, do, do you need... Yeah, you don't need news, though. It's beautiful out there. What do you, you <laughs> yeah. going to report on? Just sit outside and enjoy the day. What other famous people... Like, what other people are connected that we have really no idea? To Amelia Island? Or, or just in general? Like, Casey, there, Google there are it. people that live out in like, Ponte Vedra. I mean, yeah. there are so many former football players, right? Oh, yeah. That, have, yeah, that yeah. live. You run into one every corner. Sure. In Neptune Beach, Jack's Beach, Atlantic yeah. Beach, mm-hmm. Ponte Vedra area. Um, and some that you didn't even know st- stuck around. Yeah. And so. Uh, Here we go. 51 facts you didn't know about Amelia Island. I'll get to work. Hit me all right. Some. Thank you. <laughs> don't go all 51. That's, that's a lot of facts, man. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to do that. Jeez. Uh, so, anyway, I think I'm going to have to double check now on the author thing. Where did you say the Stephen King tie is? Oh, just because I the vacation I, there or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, he no, he's got he's got a house there. He got a house. There? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because I got the inside scoop when I used to do Uber. I, I drove one of his friends. So I have a good Stephen King story. He um he what? also he also has Red a, Sox fan. He also has a place in Sarasota, and he okay. used to keep his private jet at an airport I worked at one summer. I worked at like a private airport on the ramp, like moving planes and stuff. Cool. And. His plane was kind of backed in a hangar with some other planes because it was big. So you put it in the back, you put smaller planes in front of it. Obviously, that makes sense. But you need to call if you want your plane out. Well, Stephen King decided he wasn't going to call. He was just going to show because he was Stephen King. And I straight up yelled at him and told him he was going to have to wait because I didn't have time to get his plane out because he didn't call. So I made him wait. What did he say after that? Uh, Nothing. He sat. He uh, waited 45 minutes. Probably wrote like another book of you getting hurt in it or something. Cause that's what he does. <laughs> so he, he, you, you, you're probably inspired for one of his horror novels, man. Yeah. And you don't even know it, Casey. So be great. a couple days earlier, he was in and asked us what we knew about the Appalachian Trail. And then like two years later, a book came out about like killing people on the Appalachian Trail. I'm serious. Is, well, what year was that? I don't remember. Okay. But, like, oh, well, it couldn't have been that long ago. Like a no, it wasn't. Decade? It wasn't. Oh yeah, 
I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah it wasn't yeah. that long. I was ago. wondering. I was wondering what book it was. Okay, cool. I'll see if I can so find. So you didn't get his autograph or anything, I assume. Nah, bro, I yelled at him. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't too happy with me. He never really talked to me that much after that. Part. That's okay. I was gonna say I don't know why he would. Yeah, uh, but you anyway, got a call, bro. I said well, just because yeah, you're Stephen on, King doesn't title, make you man. break the rules. I said something like that. You're uh, that know, guy, right? Casey, you're that pet, guy. Just dude, because you're Stephen King. Dude wrote King. Pet Cemetery, man. You know, dude, dude wrote it. He wrote The Shining, Casey. Listen, bro. I, I had gotten his plane out before. Didn't tip well. Okay, there's other people that didn't oh, really? write any books that tipped pretty oh, well. Stephen King's a bad tipper. Oh, and he's got the money too. Put him on blast. I like it. He's gonna write another book about me getting killed. Wait, Great. I put it right about the show. Sports Not radio host on ESPN 690 anymore. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Sorry, guys. Is, is he a, he's a Red Sox fan, though? Yeah, he's a big Red Sox fan. Did Tom Gordon play for the Red Sox? Yeah. Okay, that's, that's why. Because there's a book called The Girl That Loved Tom yeah. Gordon. I read um, that one, actually. And isn't uh, Stephen King from Maine, I think, originally? Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, anyway, that's our that's our that's, that's, our, that's our Stephen King minute yes. brought to you by I don't know <laughs> not by the Stephen Giant King. Ones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, Shining. Oh, that's so good. And I'm not a horror movie guy, but Shining is top on the list oh, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, the uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars have been a horror movie. <laughs> nice. That was easy. Yeah, that was that's a shot. Low hanging fruit. That's a shot. Uh, but there continues to be this. Like these betting odds that think the Jags will win the AFC South, potentially contend for the AFC South, maybe get in the playoffs of some mm -hmm. degree. Like, and the odds are not bad. And I gotta be honest with you, after witnessing the last couple of years and witnessing the rest of the AFC South, I think the Jags did a better job of getting their team ready and and prepared and and to compete. Yeah. I think they got better, but I think the A I, I really do question internally if the Jags really got that much better in terms of gaining ground on the good teams because everybody else got better too in a big time splash way yeah i don't know if i buy all that i don't think this is the year the jags are going to sneak up on anybody and compete but you bring up a good point i think the recency bias in there people are trying to find the who the cincinnati Bengals. yeah 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 i mean the cincinnati Bengals obviously kind of flipped the script a little bit we're we're in the basement it seemed like a couple years ago Coach was on, you know, on the chopping block. Essentially, I think Bengals fans wanted him gone. You had a Joe quarterback and Joe Burrow who, you know, got hurt but showed some promise. And then also they turn it all around and they get a guy in Jamar Chase. They have Joe Burrow, the former Heisman winner, um, profiled quarterback, and they they sign some key free agents. And all of a sudden the team turns around and probably one of the well at the time one of the most competitive divisions in all football. So you see what the Bengals can do, and you see, okay, well Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he comes with a story. Um, he's a, he's a very uh, you know hyped up kind of guy. Can he do the same thing that Joe Burrow did? And to answer your question, I mean to kind of follow your thoughts here, Brent, I don't think it's gonna be done this year because you know in in my coaching speak, if I was a coach, I would say you either get better or you get worse. And if you see the AFC South right now, I see the Colts. I think the Colts got better. All right, I think Matt Ryan is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. And I'm not sure how many years Matt Ryan has left in the tank, but I think that's an upgrade. Well, that's what they need, right? They don't need a lot of other holes to fill because the, the Colts are a pretty talented team. But the one thing missing right now, it's been missing for a couple years, it seems like, is the quarterback position. So, all right, so they got better. Tennessee Titans. Well, you lost Julio Jones. Is that really – I mean, what did he do this year? Casey? Stats? Anything? Not really. Julio didn't do anything. Yeah, Julio didn't do anything. Okay, Sorry. maybe he doesn't want to talk to me. No, it's all good. But I just know how much you despise Julio Jones. And I, I think the Tennessee, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and who are the big free agent signings uh, this year? Uh, well, the Robert Woods. Right? Robert Woods. I mean, Robert, Robert Woods is really the upgrade. guy I think that yeah. that moved the needle 
Um, I'm, they made some other moves, I think, but uh, yeah. I think they resigned uh, their linebacker. Yeah. Now what is it, Evans? I think it was. So, uh, but yeah, I think I think they got better. I think overall. Robert Woods. People feel better. About, yeah. People really like Robert Woods. Yeah. And then the Houston Texans. I mean, you know, obviously you got rid of Deshaun Watson. You got some draft capital for that. Um, Davis Mills is probably going to be your guy going forward, at least for this year. I, and I, I think, I mean, I don't know if the Texans necessarily got way better, but I'll tell you what, they didn't get worse. Yeah, it's hard I to mean, get worse, they, right? they, they got draft capital, so I would say you probably got a little bit better. So, yeah, when you have three teams in your division that have also gotten better, well, now it's hard to see how the Jaguars can overpass those teams. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, the Texans for sure. Hopefully you do. Well, but I think the Titans and Colts will be tough. Well, and I, I do think you can make the case that the Jags may have snuck up on the Titans, to be honest. If Robert Woods is your main addition, and you don't know what you what Tannehill you're going to get, mm. uh, you know what Derrick Henry is, you know what the rest of the team is, but, I mean, they they probably overperformed last year based on the Derrick Henry injury, right? Oh, of course. And but see, the, that scares me, then. That does scare you, because yeah. Derrick Henry's going to be back. Is he going to do what he's done? Well, you got to assume Derrick's going to do what he's been doing, because yeah. he's been doing it now for a few years. It doesn't look like he's slowing down. Maybe three years down the line he might slow down, but not in 2022. It doesn't look like it. So, but Houston, I, I don't think anybody should be scared of Houston, right? I mean, the Jags should feel like they can. They should have felt that way last year. <laughs> I mean, that's how I felt. They should feel yeah. internally like that. And then the Colts, I agree. Listen, I think the best team in the division is the Colts. I know I'm in the minority on the Matt Ryan thing, but even without Matt Ryan, even with a Carson Wentz, I would probably still say they're the best team in the division, the most dangerous team in the division. I think they have more good players, more blue-chip players. They have a really good roster, just haven't been able to get it done. And so Matt Ryan maybe adds to that some confidence that take away the Carson Wentz story. And so I think if you look at Indianapolis and the Jags, and I understand the Jags knocked them off last year and they have, always will beat them once every season. But if you look at the landscape of the entire season, I think it's really hard to get the Jags to be able to match a win total of a roster that looks like the Colts. Well, let me ask you this because, yeah, there is a question mark with Ryan Tannehill. Which guy are you going to get? I think there's a little question mark with Matt Ryan, too, of, of uh, how much does he have left in the tank. But if you take to the quarterbacks aside and set aside from the quarterback position, you, you look at the Colts roster right now, you look at the Titans roster right now, who do you want in your team? Like, who, who are you taking? The, I mean, I, I think it's, it might be a legitimate, legitimate question here. All right, so take away the Colts? No, no, I'm saying take away the quarterbacks. Oh, the quarterbacks. Take bad. away the quarterbacks. Uh, I think I'd rather have the Colts. You'd rather have the Colts? Yeah. Casey, Colts, or Titans? Uh, let's go Titans. Okay. Well, yeah, you're a big believer in the Titans. <laughs> well, no, seriously. And, yeah, and, well, yeah. By the way, they, they proved you right, right? I mean, yeah. they, they had a nice little run there. You I think it's close. I really think it's close. I mean, running – like, you can say the running backs offset each other, but do they – I mean, Derrick Henry, when he's healthy, is the best running back in the game. And I don't care if he's one-dimensional and it's not that much out of the backfield in terms of receptions like Jonathan Taylor could be. It doesn't really matter. The, the, the guy's an absolute game record when he's in. So, uh, I give a slight lean to running game to the Titans. I think wide receivers, I mean – you know, Pittman could be on the come up a little bit. I think they still got Pascal. Okay. Um, T.Y. Hilton, is he still a free agent, or they bring him back? I think he's free agent. Free, free agent. agent. I mean, go and give me A.J. Brown, give me Robert Woods all day over those two. And tight ends, I think, kind of cancels off a little bit. I get it more Alley Cox, but it is what it is. So, I mean, I think on offense, I'm, I'm leaning towards uh, the, the Titans. And I think on defense, yeah, the, the Colts may have more well-known players and everything. But the Titans can compete on defense, too, as we've seen year in and year out. Yeah. Listen, I think it's a fair argument. And what I would say that leans toward the Titans is their culture. 
Sure. And they know how to win. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the Colts have proven to be able to do that. Whatever it is, even when they have good rosters, good quarterbacks, they can't seem to get to the promise. I know Peyton got them there, but I'm just saying Andrew Luck, even those years, they didn't have the right mix. They didn't have an offensive line. Now they've got everything else, and they can't find a quarterback for six years in a row. Yeah. So it feels like they're a little bit doomed in that regard. Maybe Matt Ryan puts them over. But for the Titans, heck, they lose guys. They don't have guys playing as well. They don't look that great on paper as 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 they perform sometimes. And so they overachieve in my estimation, and that's Mike Vrabel, and that's culture. And so i got to give them the upper hand there. I will say this. Go back to the Jags, and this is how we got started on it. Why are the Jags getting a little love? Well, you nailed it. Cincinnati Bengals. Everybody's trying to find that team. Well, there are, there are like 13 teams that don't fit that category in the AFC. Yeah. Houston, the Jags, and the Jets are the only three that do. Mm-hmm. And the Jags got two things that the other guys don't. People are still a big-time believer in Trevor, even though he had some rocky moments. It's really amazing to me that if you look at their – and by the way, I'm not saying they shouldn't be. Sure. But I think it's an interesting phenomenon. When you come off Blake Bortles going to the AFC Championship game, had a really good December and January, the rest of the league, the mouthpieces of the league, the narratives around the league were like, hey, Blake Bortles took a big step. He might be onto something here. Look out, right? Sure, Never. Sure, it sure. was always like, eh, that was a one-off thing. They still got Blake Bortles. Wouldn't buy into him big. Yeah, yeah. Trevor Lawrence comes out, obviously, ballyhooed, mm-hmm. and, and he's supposed to be this terrific young player. He has some moments, but he has more bad moments and, and is in a tough situation in Jacksonville. But he hasn't lost any of that steam and confidence and narrative around the league. People still but, think he's going to be very good. No, for sure. But then, like, I mean, is it fair? Like, I don't – like, listen, Zach Wilson – And I'm not comparing th- Trevor to Blake, by the way. I'm no, just saying the and, different storyline. Yeah, and I get, like, the Jaguars have – they do have the, the, the Trevor Lawrence advantage right now. But, like, with a guy like Zach Wilson or Trey Lance, like, what well, was Zach Wilson we saw last year? And, yeah, he underperformed, obviously. But, like – are we wrong to expect, hey, he can get better as well? Well, he yeah. can, but I don't sense that around the league that they're ready for him to take the step Trevor's going to take. Oh, okay. And at times okay. last year, you could say he had a better stretch than Trevor. Yeah. Right? Davis Mills might have had a better stretch and some better games than Trevor. Yeah. But I don't think the other – I think people are buying the Jags to be the next Cincinnati team for two reasons. Well, yeah. three, really. One is there are not a lot of options to pick from. There are 13 teams in the AFC that are really darn good and don't fit the Cinderella story. Two, I think people still buy Trevor over Davis Mills and Zach Wilson, mm. even if he didn't prove it all in, in the rookie year, and I guess that was my point. And then the third one, maybe the most important one, Austin, is this will show you the equity that I think a guy like Doug Peterson has in the NFL. I think a lot of this buy-in is Doug Peterson. Get rid of Urban Meyer. It didn't matter if he won in college. He had but no equity, and people were buying into it uh, about the NFL level. Doug Peterson, Lombardi Trophy, one in Philly. Look what he's been able to do. Going to be a great fit. Going to fit well with Trevor. I think people are really buying into that story, not just here in Jacksonville and in the building, Mm -hmm. but maybe more so than any coach I've seen in recent memory outside the city limits. No, I mean, that's true because Robert Sala is more of a defensive mind. Like, it's just, it it seems like it's a match made in having with Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson. Like, that's... That's the matrimony that you want. Now, it still has to come to fruition, and it still has to follow through. But, yeah, I mean, I think out of the, the teams that are eligible, I think the Jaguars are definitely the favorites to, to mimic the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, do they have a Jamar Chase? I don't know. You know, did, did they get that stud edge rusher in free agency? Well, not really, no. So, I mean, the, I think there's still a ways away from that, but I get why people think there's a lot of hype right now around this team. Uh, let's take a break. We're live at the baseball grounds, Florida State uh, against Florida tonight. And you can listen to the game right here on ESPN 690. Coach Mike Martin Jr. will join us coming up in the 4 o'clock hour on ESPN 690. More football talk we come back on ESPN 690.
that, yeah, that was just, again, one of those things that those decisions are never easy to, to make. And unfortunately, it was one that, you know, we had to come to. I think a lot of it was driven by, by Devontae. There's no sense in looking back on it. It's just we're moving forward. It's a lot to replace in terms of the production and, and the type of leader that he was for us. But, again, it was just one of those those deals that you never want to make. But, unfortunately, sometimes you have to, to make. <laughs> well, that... Blame the Jacksonville Jaguars for losing Devontae Adams. <laughs> Two, that was Matt LaFleur, right? Yeah. It was yeah. Blame him, Matt. You know, play Chris Kirk all that money. Completely, you know, wobbled the market up. And you had to let him go. Do you think the Christian Kirk signing had anything to do no. with Devontae? No, no, no. I'm just I kidding. Mean, well, no, I'm no, just I mean, the price tag, though. I mean, if oh, no, I said it. 17, yeah. do you think, well, no, listen, do you think uh, he would have made 28 or would he made 24? Oh, no, he sort of made, I think he's, he's the highest so? paid. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, it was, it was my conspiracy theory that Doug Peterson, in a way to get back at the Green Bay Packers for whatever reason, <laughs> decided that he knew Devonta Adams had a new contract coming up and he wanted to get paid, so he overpaid for Christian Kirk to reset the market value of a wide receiver and screw the Green Bay Packers. That's what I, I believe Doug Peterson did. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's not out of the reach. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, Maybe he's petty. Maybe he didn't have a good experience. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, thought he was having fun in Green Bay. Maybe yeah, he didn't. There's been... Intra- more, just as interesting plot, plot twists in a Stephen King book. For sure. So For sure. Fiction or nonfiction. Yeah. And by the way, uh, our uh, Shocker Mock today is featuring an author, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. How did we get on this? Was that just coincidental? No, that's just coincidental, man. Yeah, I had no plans to talk about authors today, but our Shocker Mock guy is an author as well. Casey, confirmed? Confirmed. I believe. Yeah. Educational program here, Action Sports Shacks on oh, ESPN yeah. 690. Uh, so much education that we're live at the uh, Tiki Bar. Here yeah. at 121 Financial Ballpark, baseball grounds, Bregan Field. I feel like I have to mention all three. Out of due respect to uh, Pedro Bregan and the Bregan family, you've got to mention Bregan Field. Sure. It feels like it's a baseball grounds, and, well, now they have sponsorship, so I've got to mention 121 Financial Ballpark. Mm-hmm. I think they would like if we did that, so we do. Florida, Florida State baseball coming up tonight uh, here uh, in Jacksonville, so it really should be going to be a beautiful day, as you can tell, and as you know, if you've been around Jacksonville, uh, out and about it all. Uh, ESPN 690, the place to stay with us until 6 o'clock, and then we'll have the baseball game tonight on ESPN 690. Coverage starts at 645. Let's get to the phone line. South Beach, Gary, you begin. What's up, man? Hey, Austin, Brent, how are you? Good. Doing good, man. How you doing? All right. This Bill's belly aching about the overtime rules. They didn't lose because Josh Allen didn't touch the football in overtime. They lost because... A terrible coaching mistake. They didn't squib kick the ball with 13 seconds to go. And you can't stop Kansas City from getting in field goal range in 13 seconds. Oh, my God. Uh, that, that's ridiculous. Uh, that, there's two re- that's, that, those are the two reasons they lost. Like you said yesterday, Austin, they just take so many things, rules against the defense. For instance, the automatic holding, you know, where the offense yeah. gets, gets to play the down over. They've neutered defenses and uh, – Last I checked, it was a two sides of the ball game. And uh, if Buffalo can't hold them for 13 seconds of that, Kansas City kick a field goal, they deserve to lose the game. Yeah, listen, South Beach, Gary, I can't, I can't um, disagree with you. I, I think people miss that 13-second thing, and yeah. they're stuck on the overtime rule. Well, you made your own bet. The yeah. game was over. Whether it's – I don't even care about the squib kick as much. Just stop them. Yeah. Like, they couldn't execute the three plays the way they execute them. They executed all three plays the way they wanted to execute them, needed to execute them. Yeah. 
No, for sure. I mean, listen, if my son wants to play football one day and he wants to go to the league and he's trying, you know, he wants to work out hard that, he wants to be a defensive end, I'll be like, no, no, go lose some weight and you play wide receiver. Because <laughs> it, it, or a tight end, because it doesn't play, like, it, there's just, there's no, I mean, there's money in defense, obviously. But I'm just saying, in terms of how you get taken care of, the rules that work with you, it's all about the offense. You yeah. know, I mean, I mean, at some point, let's just go ahead and put the flags on. Let's go ahead and take the helmets off and the pads off, and let's just play seven on seven if you want to. Well, and the reason it is like that is because we come off a game like that, like, oh, that was awesome. Yeah. That was awesome, right? The yeah. ratings were great. Everybody's sure. talking about it. The buzz was great. And then you had people talking about the integrity of the OT rule. Uh, but the, the, they're not talking about defense. They love no, nobody was talking saw, about right? the, yeah, the, yeah. the Patriots Rams Super Bowl game. No, no one was talking about that. And so I, it's I part it. of it. Uh, let's get John in as well. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. I think he wants to talk a little bit about Trevor Lawrence. Hello, John. Hey, guys. Hey, um, so looking at Trevor Lawrence and, and I think – the media, um, as you guys talked about how they projecting out, really looking at that last game, you know, he's playing the Indianapolis Colts, um, you know, playing for nothing and, and, and with a defense. And the Indies defense is one of the best in the league. And how he was able to uh, be efficient and the throws that he made, you know, I think looking at trending upwards, you can't find a better quarterback in our division. I know Matt Ryan – you know, is now in the division, but I, he, I think he's past his prime. I think we have the best quarterback in the division, and I think we have the most, you know, when it comes to uh, increases on wins, I think this team, you know, has that ability when you have a quarterback. And I think in this league, quarterbacks, you know, if you have a good one, and I think we've got a good one, you know, they're going to be good for a long time. And playoff, um, you know, it isn't out of the question this year. I think if you've got the best quarterback in the division, I think you have a, an opportunity. Thanks, John. Appreciate the call, and it's a really good point. Uh, how he looked in that last game, what he's mm -hmm. capable of doing, and I think I asked Doug Peterson about this yesterday when I talked to him down at the NFL owners' meetings. The eye-popping plays that Trevor made, mm -hmm. there were a decent amount of them. Plays that we don't see around here very often, and when we don't see that very often, that's because we haven't had elite quarterback around here very often. Sure. Now, listen, it wasn't all that. It wasn't all good. Plenty of mistakes. Plenty to learn from. But when he was put in a situation, essentially what looked to fail, right? I yeah. mean, a as you look back on it, and he still was able to have that game against Indianapolis and those kind of plays, it does give you a lot of promise. It's definitely an interesting point where if you have the best quarterback in the division, you have a great shot of winning that division. And I absolutely agree with that. I mean, Green Bay Packers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, Buffalo Bills. Um, you know, I think you could argue the Los Angeles Rams, even with the Seahawks with Russell Wilson, but I think Matthew Stafford had a hell of a year. So you can definitely make arguments and say, yeah, you have the quarterback, you can win the division. I get it. We've seen some good from Trevor Lawrence. We just need to see, see more now, and I think we are going to see a lot more. You know what I mean? It, it's trending all in the right direction. But it's hard for me to sit here and say, you know, is it see that guy right now? Because, well, if you statistically want to say Mills had a better year than Trevor Lawrence did. Yeah, yeah. You know, now that's yeah. not going to happen hopefully this year. Trevor Lawrence should just blow past him. But just going off of history right now, it's hard to say we have the best quarterback in the division because, yeah, we've seen some good. We just need to see a lot more good. Yeah, and I think a lot of that does surround him. It's not automatic. you still got to go do it, right? Exactly. You can put the weapons. You can pay Kirk the money. You can bring tight ends in. You can have ETN back. Yeah. Uh, you can have better coaching, a better atmosphere in the building. you still got to go do it. Davis Mills did it at times last year. Mm -hmm. Surprised everybody. Can he do it again, or will he settle back into everybody thought he was going to be? That dude needs to settle. It's really interesting to see the Davis Mills story uh, in the AFC South. Oh, man, if Trevor's the best quarterback in the AFC South for the next handful of years, happier times in Jacksonville, no doubt.
about that. We'll be back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Mike Martin Jr. from Florida State Baseball joins us coming up next.